There's too many homelosers, too many trimmers, but I like to watch them for Rotten Treasure. Hello. Welcome to Rotten Treasure. This is uh, something new we're going to do. I know this is only like the sixth week of us doing this, so new things. We're going to do a little recap of uh, Home Alone for you and do like a little ranking of it, see how we felt overall about it. Uh, With me, as always, is Kai. Hi, it's me, Kai. So do you want to just start off with how we rank these movies? Kai, what's your relationship with this movie? (laughs) Kai, what's your relationship with the Home Alone (laughs) series? I recently watched all of them, um, and I feel indifferent. Like, I don't feel worse as a person. Like, I feel more, like, well-rounded as an individual with having a little bit more knowledge, you know? I guess that's that's how I feel about it. Uh, I feel that now I have bragging rights. Like, it feels like if someone would be like, have you watched Home Alone? I'll be like, I've seen all of them. I'm very familiar. Which one are you referring to? Are you talking about the haunted Home Alone? Are you talking about the nuclear warfare Home Alone? Which one are you talking about? Are you talking about the one where French Stewart was uh, every character? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because if you're not, you're not talking about the right Home Alone. Yeah. You're not talking about the best Home Alone. Also, that is our second worst Home Alone. Oh, wait. Are you referring to French Stewart as the second worst? No, the uh, uh, the haunted one was uh, the worst one. Okay, just so we're clear. Yes. Okay. Cool. 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 We're on the no. same page. Wait, I said that wrong. It doesn't matter. Here, nope. we're gonna rank them. So the idea we had for this was we were gonna rank all the movies, and then we were gonna disagree on our ranking system. And unfortunately, Kai and I 100% agree on how the Home Alones are. Yeah. Which is fine. Honestly, I don't think we're gonna disagree with each other as much as I originally thought for this podcast. Uh. Yeah, we're on the same page here. I, I, I feel you. I, I think that uh, so a funny thing that happens is um, we'll you'll be like, I hate this movie. And I'll be like, I like this movie. And over time, I'll just remember how much I don't actually like the movie. Right. Because <laughs> I'll just be like, yeah, this is a pretty good movie for a Home Alone movie. Like, it's fine. And then we get into it. And I'm like, I hate this movie. Why am I talking about it? Right. And then I'll come in hot with like, this movie's terrible. And then proceed to tell like 20 things that I loved about it. So like, it's there's... <laughs> Uh, you know, consistency. Woo! Who cares? Who cares? We're just a fucking shitty podcast. Who cares? <laughs> no, we are the premium podcast. It's getting people through this podcast. Uh, pandemic. That's not the word. Getting through this pandemic. Oh, I thought you said getting through this premium pandemic. Oh, this, oh dude, honestly, I would say top ten for top sure. Top ten. Uh, you know what? We're going to throw out the Home Alone series and we're going to go top 10 pandemics in our <laughs> lifetimes. Number 10, Ebola. <laughs> oh, yeah, shit. You're right. They're, well, well, was that considered a pandemic? You're going to make me look this up now. Okay. And I'm going to do it, too. We're going to talk about depressing things in the podcast as if we haven't already. Uh, okay, so Ebola was an epidemic. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Now we get the pan. So it's so it's. If if I'm going by the same logic as pansexual, it means it's indifferent and it kind of likes everybody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're not com- you're not completely wrong in that because um, <laughs> uh, a pandemic is just an epidemic everywhere. Like an epidemic is just in one location. Okay, cool, nice. This pandemic is a uh, it's open. <laughs> yeah, like it. it's it, it's open about everything. It's pretty bisexual i don't know where i'm going with that (laughs) (laughs) that's not how that works (laughs) what i'm saying is coronavirus is the pants the the bisexual of pandemics 
don't know. I think it's definitely. I, is it only is it because it's so uh just binary right now because we've totally just like politicized it is that what makes it so bisexual i don't want to talk about this anymore <laughs> yeah let's talk about a little bit more uh about the, the the experience we had with this movie uh franchise yeah this is our first time doing this you know this is really i i got i got out of this about what i expected you know it it was exactly why when we discussed making the podcast this was exactly why it, we saw it and we were like oh there's some like little things that are in this but like a lot of awful things and we're gonna make fun of those awful things but those little things were good too i just i didn't the one thing i didn't expect though is to actually be viscerally like so i don't know if that's the right word we're gonna go with it um so just like i can feel the anger sometimes about one like these films every now and then like in my body like yeah I shouldn't be going to bed mad because I had to watch Home Alone 4. I I, <laughs> I was going to say, Home Alone 4, while I was watching, I was like, why am I putting myself through this? <laughs> why are we doing this to ourselves? Honestly, the first uh, the first dollar we make from this podcast, I'd be like, that's why I'm doing it. <laughs> Just for One that. whole dollar. <laughs> no, honestly. Follow I'll us do- on Patreon.com slash Rotten Treasure, by the way. <laughs> yeah, do that. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> support the madness that will continue to be this podcast uh and folks actually don't be don't be sad that we're done talking about home alone right now because as many of you may know there will be a home alone 6 release in about a year from now uh and you bet your ass we'll be back to talk about it yeah and then we'll adjust our rankings accordingly and we'll just do it in that episode because who wants to hear us do this again well i'm calling it right now i think it's going to be the third best in the series i think i'm really feeling confident i think they're going to do a great job that's honestly what i thought as well uh even though it's way far out, it, it, the the only thing that's holding me together with that is Ellie Kemper, isn't it? And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is going to be the third best. I mean, I think the the acting, the, uh, I think they've, they've gotten enough feedback about the pranks being kind of terrible uh, towards the latter half of the series that I think that they're going to step it up a notch. And if they haven't received the feedback that there's just kind of soullessness after you leave the first two, then... Yeah, yeah the big problem was that they just had Macaulay Culkin, who was... An, an incredible child actor and then they were like what if we go with just some average child actors like nothing special about them i was actually just watching uh macaulay culkin on an interview with regis philman philbin philbin philman oh no philbin you're like that okay so there was a uh there is a uh clip from wheel of fortune where it was three dudes who could not pronounce regis philbin and they had filled out all of the letters and it says Live with uh, Kelly Ripa and Regis Philbin, and none of them could pronounce either Regis Philbin or Kelly Ripa. I have no idea. And it just kept going around and around, and Pat Sajak was just like, you're so close. All of the letters are there. Just say the name. No, okay, so wait. I'm going to go back to uh, about that interview in a second, but also I just want to do a quick humble brag. I've actually waited uh, tables on uh, Vanna White and Pat Sajak. But wait, did we talk about it already on the podcast? No, or is this just you something we've told me on the podcast. You've told me before in general. Cool. So this was back in Cambridge, and they were uh, like the whole crew. I don't know what what why they were shooting in uh, the Boston Cambridge area or what have you. Um, but we got like uh, a, like a lunch day big event um, of like two rounds of the cast and crew, and then also I got the fortune uh, or fortunate experience of. Waiting on the celebrities. Um, and all I really, to be honest with you, all I really picked out of it was that Pat Sajak is like a human being who doesn't like lemon and kind of is not great about it when you forget that and bring it to him. Whatever. I got some side eye from Pat Sajak. 
but Vanna White told me my eyes were pretty. So for me, that was a win. I uh, I had a good day. But the kicker out of the entire experience, like the thing that actually made me this stick in my head, is that one of the um, one of the crew members wanted to fight me. <laughs> and it was solely I, over the. F- I, I like to the- think that it was Pat Sajak, but you're just trying to protect him right now. It, okay, so it may or may not have been Pat Sajak. So. Sometimes Let's you just get... say it wasn't for legal reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Pat Sajak did not try to fight me. Uh, but no, one uh, one of the guys was really upset because I brought out his meal. And then he's like, excuse me. And he like, you know, after slicing up his booger, he's like, his booger, his burger. Uh, <laughs> he just goes, does this look like medium well to you? And I was like, uh, no, because we overcooked it. We did. Um, it's definitely a well done burger. He was right. But he put it in my face. Like, he brought it inches away from my face. He's like, does this look like right to you? Right. Very aggressive. And I was like, uh, no, sir. Uh, it, it, we can, you know, whatever. We can get that taken care of for you. Um, and I kind of lightly snickered. And he's like, oh, you think this is funny? You think this is you think this is hilarious? You want to take this outside and see how funny it is? Um, and I was like, no, sir. Um, I, I, I politely declined. And no. I got a laugh from the table, which only made him more mad. Uh, no, I don't want to fight you over the $10 burger that you're buying. Right. I'll give you $10 right now. <sighs> I offered to recreate the burger, um, but apparently he had to get back uh, and wasn't able to stay long enough. And I was like, okay, cool. We'll, you know, we'll send somebody else, whatever. Um, but yeah, no, I ended up telling my manager about it. And my chef happened to be in the kitchen when I was talking about how he wanted to fight me. And my chef was kind of like, to give you like understanding of size, if like the abominable... I can't get that right word either. Is it the abominable? It. Yeah, you got it. The abominable um, uh, snowman was like a, there was a human being inside of a, like the suit. <laughs> He's that guy. <laughs> like, like like an aliens when uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Sigourney Weaver is in that giant suit. You mean, yes, like in the movie that I haven't seen yet that I'm sure at some point we'll talk about because I'm pretty sure it's a franchise. Yeah, there's eight of, the, eight of those movies. There's four of those movies. Great. Um, but yeah, no, so he just didn't skip a beat. He went right out to the guy. I looked at the galley kitchen, little circle window, uh, or like the galley door, the little like flippy do. Uh, and I see this, like he just pokes the guy in the shoulder and I don't see anything other than that guy just shrinking in himself. Uh, and he came back, like my chef comes back in the kitchen. He's like, yeah, I, I, I told him that you were busy, uh, but I would politely take him up on his offer to go outside. And he declined. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So in the middle of like that lunch rush, he pulled like all of the servers back to the kitchen. Was like, if anybody, and I mean anybody, threatens your wellness, you tell me. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, chef, how many fights have you been in? He's like, look at me, zero. No one wants to fight this. <laughs> There's like part of me that wishes I was like a gigantic person, just so that like I could do the thing where like someone honks the horn at my at my car, and then I get out of the car and I'm like eight feet tall. Oh, just, and I'm just like, what do you want? <laughs> just keep stilts like next to your like in in your back seat and just bust those out anytime you need to get out and just kind of be you know towering over people i used to have stilts when i was a kid so the home alone series <laughs> was a weird one we do want to rank them <laughs> this is our first time doing it guy do you want to do it five to one or one to five we're going we're gonna to do this backwards, uh, or we're going to start from the bottom. So we're going to talk about um, kind of our ranking number one, and I'm pretty sure we're on the same page that that is not only number one, like the first original, but also tied with the second movie? Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, okay. The first two movies, in my mind, are very much the same. The only reason I would say two is weaker than one 
is that two suffers from a lot of stuff is the same. A lot of the jokes are the premise is very much the same. They do heighten it, but they also call themselves out and be like, we did it again. Right. Yeah. I mean, everything's a callback. Uh, You know, they're not the wet bandits or the sticky bandits. Um, You know, they, uh, yeah, they, they made sure to like hit the same notes essentially through the film. So, yeah, it's kind of one of those movies of you never heard about home alone and you were just flipping through the channels and caught it. Yeah. Some of the jokes wouldn't land correctly for that reason. Right. Well, for me, the thing that kind of balances them out, right, is the second one. I love New York and I love the adventure of it. Right. Um, but it doesn't have the same level of wholesomeness that the first one does, um, because you can't you yeah. can't create like you already have this universe that exists um, and like the charm of, you know, this kind of witty snarky kid who ultimately really does love his family and especially loves his mom um and, but we've already established that so when we get to the second one you know sure there's that magic christmas tree moment but aside from that it's really just about you know new york city and going back and fucking up these guys and making them feel pain yeah and i think that and i think it hits those the reason why i would say it's basically the same is because it hits those points much like it hits daniel stern uh it hits those per points about as hard yeah Yeah. like a brick to the face (laughs) like a couple of bricks to his face and not joe pesci's like a staple to the balls like a that time joe pesci exploded oh that's actually what happened is that why we don't see him in the uh the reboot in the fourth one is because in the second one there's extra credit scenes of joe pesci literally exploding now kai in the movie joe pesci explodes what are you talking about? When is Joe his Pesci? head catches on fire and then right. he dunks his head in the uh, uh, toilet full of kerosene? Right. See, I got a full visual of him just like, like let's just say blowing up, guts going everywhere, like um, like a tremor <laughs> that exploded, or like a grab boy that exploded. Very. By the explosive. way, next week's episode, tremors. <laughs> um, I just Im- imagine pumpkin guts flying everywhere out of Joe Pesci. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, oh, I also. Between the time we recorded our first one and now, I watched an, uh, a documentary on the ho- first Home Alone. And apparently, Joe Pesci was a dick on those. Like, he would show up late all the time because he'd go golfing. Uh, and he would just, like, be like, I'm not saying these lines. Or the reason he did the, like, rasm, 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 is because uh, they wouldn't let him curse, obviously. So this is him just, like, being upset that he can't curse? Yeah, he was apparently just kind of a dick uh, throughout the recording process. They were like, Macaulay Culkin was better behaved than Joe Pesci was. Well, I mean, for some context, too. I mean, he's he's coming out of the time period of having just done The Godfather, right? I think I think no. that's what he was. Yeah, no, he was Goodfellas. That's what I meant. Sorry. I yeah. apologize. The other one that people love. I still haven't seen. I think I've, like, I've seen like part of The Godfather, but I've seen Goodfellas a fair amount of times. And to come off of probably the amount of freedom and, like, the encouraging of the aggression that he's supposed to have in that movie to do oh, yeah. like, a wholesome film with an eight-year-old, yeah, he might have been a little bit more wound up. And, like, he was surrounded by some A-listers in the um, Goodfellas, right? Yeah, Robert De Niro, whom he had been doing movies with right. since uh, Raging Bull. Right. And we want to give uh, Macaulay Culkin credit for being obviously a child star that everybody was obsessed with. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but aside from that, I mean, like, who else on, in the Home Alone series is really, like, up to par at this point in reality with Joe Pesci? If I was him, I'd be like, why the fuck am I doing this movie? <laughs> yeah, even Catherine O'Hara, uh, who is, you know, she's a big star. She's very, she's very good. She, I wouldn't call her Joe Pesci caliber because Joe Pesci was in multiple Academy Award winning movies. Right. I mean, uh, she's. Yeah, she's great. She's yeah. she's fantastic at what she does. Right. But in terms of like, uh, whatever, I guess recognition, like I'm just trying to imagine she as far as actually when I think about Catherine O'Hara, I don't think of her having like a, um, I, I get the any time that I've seen like behind the scenes stuff, she seems so down to earth and just like a human um, that doesn't seem like she causes shit on the stage whatsoever. So she's just playful. She just wants to have a good time um, and then clearly can act because I think she did a great job in Home Alone. Well, she's um, a, uh, I believe she's an SCTV person, so she's a, she comes from an impro- improv background. Yes, her and Daniel Levy, they go back. That's actually – so in all that Shit's Creek talk that we've talked about throughout the series and just as a friend driving you nuts, that's that's where they go back. They go to uh, Second City, right? Is that what they yeah. were? Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they go way, way back. Yeah. Um, yeah. She knew, yeah, she knew John Candy and Dak, Dan Aykroyd and all those from back in the day. I hate to say it, but I think sometimes improvisers are just the probably the most chillest actors on set to deal with. Uh, um, that's a very uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I would just like to say that the group of people that I am a part of is probably the best people. Yes. Well, I mean, I'll be, I'm being a little bit selfish here, but I'm trying to imagine, um, you know, your people that did you know, traditional school and are just no time for bullshit and like the lighting's not right and this and that. I mean, it's good to be particular, but I think. In terms of the go with the flow kind of mentality and like oh, yeah. connect to your playfulness mentality, that's improv. Yeah, I, and I, I mean, people we know in Philadelphia, I, there's definitely been a couple of people I know where it's like, you can tell this is a born improviser. You can tell if someone is a, a sketch person who's doing improv. Right. Uh, you could tell if a stand-up is doing improv mm-hmm. because they uh, just want to do their stand-up as, as in scenes. Take that, well, Philadelphia stand-ups. <laughs> it's a good thing we've had a few stand-ups already on the podcast. <laughs> you talking about Ross? Oh, Ross has done stand-up. Siobhan has done stand-up. That's it. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, has Chris done stand-up? But I think she... I think she's done it either once or is about to do it at but some point. Also all improvisers as well. So I feel like I but, get the idea that they're improvisers first. But maybe if they want to add us and tell us differently, they can go right ahead. I was going to say, I think of Siobhan as an improviser who does stand-up rather than a stand-up who does improv. Agreed. Even um, though I would say that her... I, I would say that her main thing is stand-up and that if you were to be like, what do you do? She'd say she'd probably say stand-up and then improv. Right. But I think that's just because stand-up makes... <laughs> stand-up gives you money and improv does not. I've been I've been thinking a lot about this lately about what to call myself, right? Because I've been doing comedy for a little bit, but I feel weird calling myself a comedian. Um, and I feel like even like for like my dating profiles and stuff, I've just switched it to performer, so people will stop asking me to tell them a joke as as the first reach out statement. But I I, I think the thing I don't want to get out there and being like, oh, I'm a comedian, is like that kind of arrogance um, that comes along with that. You know what I mean? That's very funny because I'm the opposite, and I tell everyone that there's a running joke with everyone I know that I'm a professional comedian <laughs> because I'll I'll make like a bad joke and no one will laugh and I go whatever I'm a professional comedian and then, <laughs> and then people go professional I'll go I've been paid I have ten whole dollars uh, that people have Ooh. given me I've gotten paid more to do poetry so I guess I'm more of a professional poet than anything else 
you're a tech. Hey, if you made money, you're a professional. Yeah. I mean, the biggest one I ever got, 50 bucks, one night, not bad. Two hours of comedy or two hours of performance, 50 bucks. That's fine. 25 bucks an hour. Had to pay we, for my we gas. Can, we can cut this. Uh, uh, hang on. I'm going to say right now, cut this part out. Um, when did you make? When did you make that much money? Fifty dollars? Oh, you, whatever. I don't know why you, you wouldn't need to cut this out unless you didn't want to. But um, this was uh, my first uh, feature that I did uh, back in like Waltham, um, back when I lived in Boston. I it was just oh, <laughs> it was a bookstore. They had a cover charge and they gave me my portion of the proceeds, um, which happened to be fifty bucks. Wow, nice. Yeah. It's nice. I got to go do a night. Got my parents to come out, and I yeah. I gave my best stuff that I had at the time, which was mostly sexy poems about bacon um, and, like, me talking about my uh, sexuality and gender identity at the time. Oh, that's pretty sick. It was a good time. I do. I will say I definitely like um, in terms of being a performer, I absolutely love comedy a lot more. Um, I have traded in my trauma points uh, or (laughs) sharing my trauma for points. And now I do it for laughs. And it's so much more fun. Oh, God, yeah. I, I love doing this so much, even though I've never done poetry because I hate it. My favorite part was actually doing comedy poetry. Um, if I could get people to laugh in the middle of a space of a night that was mostly people just sharing the most horrible tragedies of the universe, and instead I can just, just I don't know, if I can just get a laugh um, out of like a picture of me in my underwear eating ice cream at 3 a.m. in the middle of a poem, like I'd rather that um, than the depths of... Uh, this is why I don't, I'm not allowed to go, oh God, there's a point I'm trying to make. I got you. Speaking of tragic nightmares. Yeah. Our number three on the list. Oh, see that, that's the segue. That means we have to leave the fucking poetry stuff in. We'll probably delete that. We're already, <laughs> I'm going to leave it in. Um, anyways, I love you, Jim. Sorry, number three on the list. <laughs> yes. Number three on the list. What's Home Alone 3? Yeah. Um, as I, I said in the episode, I don't want to rehash that too much. It is the one that I think of when I think of Home Alone. It's just very outlandish with all the stuff. Yeah. Uh, it, it's very, very, very cartoonish, which is where I kind of wanted the series to go, and they just never took it in that direction. Right. As we no, saw later. It, it, you used this word uh, and encouraged me to use it in the description for the last episode release, but romp. Uh, it was a romp. It was yeah. a solid, just like it had an upbeat attitude to it. It was silly. That kid was, uh, although no Macaulay Culkin, still uh, like a charming little kid. Um, he was a Max Keeble. Yeah. Like he he's the kind of kid that can give a wink to the audience and break the fourth wall, and you'd be like, ah, funny kid. Yeah. And I think it, it. I think at the time I was like, was like, ugh, we've taken a huge step down because I didn't know how bad it could get. Yes. Now with a little bit more uh, hindsight, yeah, big time. It can get really bad. And uh, you thought you couldn't care about an eight-year-old. Um, at one point, but wow, okay, you could hate, not hate, but really give less of a shit about the protagonist of a movie once you start watching more of these movies. Yeah, you can be, like, eventually you get to the point where you're like, this kid just got the job because he was able to memorize the lines. Right. Honestly, I think for the fourth and fifth one, they probably just picked whatever kid was on set and just finishing doing, uh, like, a Hallmark commercial. Well, uh, uh, according to Macaulay Culkin, because I watched an interview with him, the way you, if you're a child actor... The way you get the way you get work is if a you can remember the lines and b you have some sort of charisma like you like people look at you and go like oh that's a cute kid right which is most kids to be honest but uh 
he, he was just like, if you can memorize the lines, you've got a job as a child actor. Well, I mean, if you can be an adult as a kid, you can be a child actor because that seems to be what you need to do. I mean, like I, oh, like I was mentioning, uh, Macaulay Culkin on Regis, he held his own. I'm watching this kid as eight years old. I'm like, I would not be this confident. And granted, you just did a major motion picture. Maybe that's where your confidence came from. But he has no problem just having an, a, a full-on confident conversation on television with yeah. two grown adults by himself. He's 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 really good. He was one of the best child actors. Uh, and you could see, like, I, I think one of the things now is it's very interesting how grounded he is with that, despite the fact he had a very not-grounded experience. Mm. Because people ask him all the time, like, what? It, oh, what's it like? being a huge star he's like look i had no other experience like right i grew up a child actor i grew up a big star i don't know what life is like outside of that so i have nothing i have no frame of reference and saying that i'm like okay i like macaulay Culkin more i i really like his point of view well you're yeah i mean essentially if you're asking him you're like hey how was your fucked up life that's really weird. <laughs> How's your weird life that was so different than mine? Uh, yeah, he's and, like, no, this is my standard. This is what my, this is what I know to be true. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, it wasn't really fucked up to me. Like, it was fine. He he came out relatively safe. Uh, sure, he had some, he did have some issues that probably did stem from, and when I say probably, I mean definitely stemmed from that lifestyle. Right. But uh, but who am I to judge? You know, I don't, I didn't live it. I'd trade that in for being able to meet Catherine O'Hara and John Candy. Oh, God. To star in, to star in Uncle Buck must have been, like, the best thing ever. Yeah. No, I mean... Uh, I wish there were ten of those so we could watch that movie. We could watch that movie ten times if you want. Jim, you and I can still watch movies outside of the of this podcast. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Did someone on this podcast tell us about that person who watched the same movie over and over and over as a uh, as a podcast? No, no, no. Uh, are you talking about the time I was talking about watching the movie Daylight over and over again with St- Sylvester Stallone? Or are you talking no, about something different? No, no. Somebody watched one movie, like Space Jam or something, over and over, and they've recorded a podcast every time they did it. Oh, Jesus. I don't think I could do that. That sounds terrible. I Just like Ken the, brought it up. The new insights that you get from watching it again? Yeah. Mm-mm. Nope. And, it, and it was just... It, it became like that thing in How I Met Your Mother where they listened to 500 Miles over and over because it's stuck in the uh uh it's stuck in the tape uh, rec- uh the tape deck so Gosh. uh and they're like look it get they're just like miserable listening to it like why are we listening to this song this is the worst thing in the world and then he goes uh jason siegel goes it gets better and then like it says like an hour later and it, you could see them singing it with uh incre- incredible vigor and then it, it's like an hour later it shows them miserable again so I've actually experienced this in real life. I threw a house party uh, twice in my life so I could feel somewhat cool back when I was uh, in New Hampshire. This was back when my nickname was Troll Money, which I don't think we've ever gotten into, but or maybe we did a little bit. Um, but back in the days when I was Trollio, gosh, I hate myself. Um, I put on, uh, out of like a playlist of like 200 songs, I put on Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It at least 50 <laughs> times. So throughout that party, it would just keep coming on every now and then. Um, and there was definitely ebbs and flows of tolerance. Um, but at the end when everyone was just shit faced, like everyone was, it's Friday night. <laughs> like, <laughs> are, are you my dad? Cause my dad used to do that in the eighties. He oh, would really? play, uh, his two songs he would do that with was Karma Chameleon. Nice. Cause he loved that song and No Can Do by, uh, Hall and Oates. Oh wow. What a choice. He, he would, 
he would play those songs. Now you say you you'd play those songs like you'd play a song, then maybe you play like another song here and there. Yeah. He would literally play just Karma Chameleon oh, your dad's for a-, a whole night. Is your dad a sadist? Does he identify that way? He hates people, is what I'm saying. And he had friends that like <laughs> they'd be like hours into the night and they'd be like. Carpet can really just come back on again? They'd be like, it's been playing for five hours. Uh, it's also super weird that you mentioned Hollow Notes. I got hit up uh, this morning by a couple on a dating app, um, and that's the names they're going by because they go by the alias Hollow Notes. It's too much. I don't think I can date Hollow Notes. I feel like that's a, a commitment I'm not ready for. Uh, they're, they're both Philly people, by the way. Hollow Notes? We can get them on this podcast if we wanted to. Let's get that mustache down here. Let's do it. <laughs> Uh, what is it going to say about Holl- oh, my my ex used to call them Holland Oats. First name Holland, last name Oats. No, <laughs> just to make you mad. Yeah, I say uh, it. It's much like the uh, it's much like the uh, the fifth installment. <laughs> <laughs> it's much like the um uh, uh the five hundred miles joke. Where it would come to me and like I'd go like oh my god and then I'd be like ha ha all notes and then I'd be like oh why am I why am I a part of this I don't know I am that person I don't I don't think it's that weird to listen to the same song over and over again I definitely did it when I got a CD like I listened to the same album back to back to back to back until you can learn the lyrics that's one thing but at a certain point you just gotta let the song go that's what I that's what I was with the Beatles when I was like eleven I listened to their albums over and over and over and over and I. I don't know if I could do it anymore. I, there was a time when I could have, if you started a song within 10 seconds, I could tell you which song it was, where it was on the album and what the words were going to be. I could probably only do that with some, um, that used to happen to me with a lot of Blink-182 and some 41. Like, oh, granted, God. some of those songs sounded very similar, but when one would end and you were accidentally listening to it on shuffle, you were like, no, no, this is not the appropriate energy shift between songs. <laughs> Can you imagine how bad the first 40 sums had to be for some 41 to come out of that. Also, can you imagine how bad the first 181 blinks had to be for that to come out? And also, can oh, you imagine? Jim, we, we went over half an hour like we talked about. We need that in the podcast. <laughs> can you imagine how bad the first four Home Alones had to be to get to our fourth choice, Home Alone 5, The Holiday Heist? Oh, so I am thinking about the holiday heist, which we're essentially calling Haunted Home Alone. Yeah, it was haunted. Yeah, there's a there's a ghost. Um, if you've listened to the other episodes, you know that already. I I think this movie actually had, if it, if it had just had the correct pacing, a better actor. Uh, I was sold on Malcolm McDowell. I loved Crab Man being in this. I I I would go to say that I and maybe I'd I'd said differently, but reflecting later. I liked this movie. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I I think coming off of the fourth movie, it was I was expecting it to be worse than the fourth movie, mm-hmm. and it and it starts off and you're like, ugh, this writer doesn't know how to write children. Like he doesn't this the whoever wrote this doesn't know what a video game is, and for some reason he made the main character in this obsessed with video games. Yeah, and that doesn't come off well. But if they hadn't done it, then we would have never gotten that, like, college guy who lives above, like, I think a Chinese food restaurant, uh, yeah. who was just absurdly, like, I loved, I loved his character. They, he's one of my favorite characters in the Home Alone franchise. Yeah. 
the I mean, he, I, I don't know if they were intending to be kind of like a stone or whatever, but like kind of like that, just like bachelor dude who just plays games and lives his life. What a great person to be on the end of, of like on the other line of this video game uh, to be able to like support him through being burglarized. Yeah. I, th- I think the biggest problem that movie actually suffered with was that it didn't stick to their guns. Mm-hmm. Like they should have had the kids learn a lesson because and and like stick they had the kids learn a lesson but they didn't stick to the lesson we we brought it up in the movie we brought it up in the the when we were talking about it how the girl read war and peace and she was like oh this is really interesting and it would have been really interesting for her to pick up the new phone and be like wow the new phone and then put it down and then start reading war and peace and then right. that would be like oh she learned her lesson well, sure it's was, not like my favorite lesson but like still what was finn's lesson what was he supposed to learn uh how to not be afraid of everything Oh, because he was afraid of the basement, just like original Kevin McAllister was. Yeah. Uh, afraid of making friends. And he did. He, You know what? He did he, learn w- one lesson. He befriended Snow Kid. Yeah. Um, he, he learned a lesson. I, I Like, I would have loved it if the mom learned, learned a lesson of trusting her kids a little bit more. Uh, Malcolm McDowell learned not to rob people's houses. Well, I mean, he's not. Okay. One thing I keep forgetting is that he wasn't trying to rob the house. I mean, he was, well, I guess he was. He was trying to rob a safe that was in the house. I don't know if you know this, but if you try to rob a safe that's in the house, you're trying to rob a house. Oh, dude, I've definitely robbed a house then. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad I thing think, to admit. I think, that, uh, <laughs> I think that this one was a true rotten treasure. And then we have like a ding, 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 go off. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's fair to call this the first rotten treasure. I would not call the third one that it's not rotten enough. And I think this is the right amount of rotten and the right amount of treasure. It's just enough where I'm like, Oh, like they were trying and like they, it had a little bit of heart to it. Right. And I did enjoy a lot of things. There were a lot of jokes that I really liked. So it, it was, it was worth it watching that one. You know, it was not worth it. All in four. Taking back the house. That was awful. I wish we never had the house. Yeah, I I wish I wish this movie were not a movie. <laughs> I'm I'm so broken over this movie that I don't want to watch it. I don't want it to exist at in any capacity. Okay, so I'm grateful for that movie existing because otherwise we wouldn't have been uh, able to talk to Ross about it. Um, so there's that. So that's nice. But aside from that, you're right. I would have been perfectly fine with this movie never existing. <laughs> I mean, if that movie didn't exist, we would have just had Ross for number four and then Michael and Noah for uh, number for uh, the first Trevor's movie. Right. Which would have been perfectly fine. Yeah, we would have just we would have pushed it back. Either way, we're getting Ross on the podcast. Well, that's fair. It just was a dud. It just felt dead inside. It, yeah. Yeah. It just felt like they were going through the motions and they didn't even go through the motions. There weren't that many pranks. There were. It, I think all he does is like set up a a, a spinning uh a, a bookcase and that's about it yeah and, and and then they just and then they get arrested and i was like oh this is what we're doing <sighs> is this the part where we're supposed to do the thing yeah i guess so or we're both defending home alone 4 as the best one right okay great that's fine um, and then we and then essentially what we're doing is just saying all the good things about home alone 4 okay great all right so this next segment we're going to try something different um, we haven't done this before because uh, this is a new podcast. Uh, Jim and I are unfortunately going to have to play a game um, that is essentially 
basically premise lawyer. We're going to we're going to stand behind this 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 fourth installment of the film and tell you why it's the best film and you need to watch it for the rest of your life. Right. So it caters into every kid's dream of being rich. Yeah. I mean, that's honestly all I wanted as a kid. Um, I got like a mini version of it with my parents getting me a foosball table and a bumper pool table. So I know what that's like. OK, wow. That's way cooler than anything I ever got as a kid. Oh, and an air hockey table and um, also ski ball and a fridge full of Shasta that knock off Sam's Club cola. <laughs> Did you have a finished basement? Uh, yeah, my parents uh, made our basement into a glorious game room where all of my deviant friends would hang out after school. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I had the cool parents out of the uh, out of the crew for sure. Oh, I mean, I had really cool parents, but like uh, we didn't have that because that's very expensive. So my parents, although we haven't never really been like super, super well off, like they used to like when I was a kid, kid, they would work like, you know, a lot of jobs in order to do the things. But at a certain point, they were like, we want a quality of life. So we're going to put some money into like fun things we can invest in the house. Um, and then we that was that was like where they put their extra cash was just fun and games. So they they're big kids. My parents literally met in high school and junior high. They're just big kids. Uh, they just oh. want to have, have a playground. Yeah, I kind of think of my mom like that because she was just like she took us to do a lot of fun adventure things when we were kids. Right. And she was just always like, yay, we're going to have fun and do things. My dad would do it, too. But like uh, but my mom was the one especially who was doing that because she would her big thing was like during the summer, she would take us to a park every day, uh, every uh, once a week. Oh, nice. A new park that we've never been to. Adventure. Excitement. Yeah. Life. Much like Home Alone 4. Or it's a Which, lot of adventure. He gets a lot is. of really cool things. I particularly found um, the depth behind the McAllister uh, divorce um, or the tension of the like the separation. It just brought so much like suspense to the movie. Yeah. And I like that they made the house smaller, the original house, Mm -hmm. just to emphasize how big the smart house was. Right. And also get rid of the other siblings and like the continuity of having any characters from the original uh first movie because i mean if yeah. you're gonna re- reboot a film get rid of everything we loved about it simplify it Thank make you. those make those kids go away and you know what have the the butler from uh big daddy in there well and i mean he's gonna be a good guy eventually what well, was he not if i'm not mistaken he was kind of the heart of the film you could say that <laughs> So, I so didn't believe that. <laughs> there was a point during Home Alone 4 that I actually paused and I called everyone in my family to tell them how much I loved them. Like there was – I was so deeply cl- like connected to this film that I couldn't help but just reach out to those I loved in this universe. Like I, I broke down crying. That seemed like a lie. It is a lie. Yeah. I am doing a if thing this, right now. If the point of this right now is for me to figure out what part of this was a lie, that was the lie. That's the biggest lie? Yeah, everything else, I, I, we are trying to pull, uh, not to get a little too inside baseball, uh, we are trying to pull what we really truly did like and like say that that's why it's the best movie. You know what I'm struggling with though, Jim, is who the fuck were the burglars? I blacked out the burglars in this movie. It's French Stewart. It's Harry and, and, and Missy Pyle. And that's and it. White. So that's it. There's nobody else, right? No, there's also the the uh, the woman maid who uh, ends up being the mother of Marv. Right, right. Marv's mom. 
yeah. or Fr- French Stewart's mom. She yeah. did. Te- she did terrify the shit out of me, though. She was they like they play her up as the uh as the good person for so long that when it comes to be the twist, you're just like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, yeah, you told me she was you told me she was so good. Like, duh, of course, she's the bad person. If you, if you had to give this movie stars, right, and you had a, a scale of, of, let's say, zero to five, how many stars would you give it, Jim? Uh, I can actually tell you that because I rate all my movies on IMDb. Oh, so you actually have, you, after each one of these, you went online and, and actually put in your uh, your two cents? I do that with literally every movie I watch. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> if, 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 a little, a little peek into my world. I, I rate every movie I watch on IMDb just so that I can keep track of everything I watch. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before because I think I told uh, Mike about it uh, in the fifth episode. Wow, I watched a lot of movies. Okay, I oh Jesus, I it's to me it's one out of five stars. It's one out of five stars. Yeah, I gave this a two out of ten. Hmm. Uh, in contrast, the next movie I watched was the. Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, and I gave that eight out of ten stars. Wait, hold on. You gave this it was out of that was wait one out of ten stars. It's two out of ten stars, and I reduced the fractions to be two oh. uh, one out of five because you asked Got for you. five stars. Ah, thank you very much for doing math for me. Mm-hmm. Although the next movie I gave that four out of ten, so that's you, two out of five. You gave Holiday uh, Heist four out of ten. Yeah. Wow, that's a big jump. What'd you give? Could, uh, what'd you give the third one? I was gonna say I could tell you five out of ten. Okay. And two? Uh, eight out of ten. And then one? Eight out of ten. Okay, so you actually did stay consistent. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Then you didn't lie. Yeah, I'm... I Look, I... <laughs> I I'm consistent with my ratings. Although sometimes I go back and look at my ratings, I'm like, why would I rate it that? that that's not how I actually feel about that movie. I must have just felt bad at the time. And I'll re-rate a movie I've seen already. I will say, like, as a whole, the... Uh, Home Alone movies aren't aren't the the original ones are kind of a classic, but not as much as I thought they were. Right. If that makes sense. I, do you feel as though these last movies chipped away at the franchise and made and like kind of cut down the value of the first two? Uh, I'd, I'd in fact say that they heightened them. Okay. Because it uh because it goes. It shows you how good it can, it, go, it shows you how bad it can get. So when you watch the original, like you're like, well, this isn't bad as Home Alone Four, right? But in terms of number one box seller for what 25 years, is that what the first one was or something like that? Or like oh, a high yeah, something film ridiculous for, like that, right? Maybe it needed a little bit of uh, it needed to be taken down a peg or two because it actually wasn't like necessarily the best film of all time. Yeah, but also it has a lot of heart and it is an adorable movie mm. when he. I'll I said it before and I'll say it again. When he's got those cardboard cutouts and those jump ropes, melts my heart. I would say that's actually so. When we're talking about the fifth movie, the callback to the playfulness of Macaulay Culkin doing that, where uh, Malcolm McDowell was being utterly like terrified and made to believe that there's a ghost in the house because uh, Finn like rigged up a bunch of uh, things to fall from the sky and has the lights going off. Uh, the Christmas lights flickering, like there was a little bit of that. Yeah. Uh, but you cannot beat uh, using Michael Jordan's cutout on a train uh, <laughs> to make people believe that people are home. Yeah. That it's just it's just that good. The original one. 
it, it does have a lot of really funny classic bits. I don't know if I'd still call it like a classic movie because there is some like there is some like muddied stuff where you're like, all right, okay, I guess. Like the the. I think one of the discussions we had a lot during the first movie was that you were like, oh, he believed that the family disappeared. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I don't think he thought that. I don't think that that was clear enough. I think that you might have been like when you were a kid, you were like, yeah, this is a movie about how this kid thinks his family disappears. Yeah. Well, I mean, he literally just goes, I made my family disappear. I made my family disappear. Uh, yeah. Like but he connected it, to it. Yeah. But then later I felt like I was like, oh, they played that for a laugh. And like, he doesn't actually believe that. Well, he should be a smart enough kid to go, oh, my family was going on a vacation today. I wonder if they just went on it without me. <laughs> right. That's how I felt about it. I was like, okay. He did, like, he did the fit. He doesn't believe this. Right. You know, as a small kid that's an adult, to how to ask if a toothbrush is like, F, what is it? Like, FDA? What the fuck is it? Uh, yeah, it was like FDA approved or something like that. Right, right. But you don't have the intelligence to realize that your, your family is just, they just left. They just didn't care about you. Yeah. And there's just like, there was things like that throughout the movie where I was like, uh, it, it, this is a little muddied and granted it's a kid's movie. Like it doesn't need to be perfect. Right. Um, I don't know. I th- This also might come from the fact that I didn't watch it that much as a kid. Right. And now here we are as adults watching something that's supposed to be seen through the lens of a child. Uh, and it's of course not going to have the same. I, I, if it wasn't for the nostalgia of the film and also the connection to my own family, uh, then I probably wouldn't be in love with the first two movies as much as I thought I was until I rewatched it this time around. Yeah, and I watched it and I was just like, okay, these are these are good movies. Eight out of ten. Well, Which, I'm gonna... eight out of ten to me. If if I might like give you a little peek into how I rate movies. Yeah. Eight out of ten to me is a really good movie. Right. Seven is like, I enjoyed this movie. Six is like, I didn't like this movie that much. Eight is like, oh, this is a really good movie. Nine is like, this is a great film. And then 10 is like, this is my favorite movie. So in terms of Christmas movies, because I know a lot of people, you know, the holiday season um, is among us. I know I'm dating this again. Um, But we're coming into holiday movie time. I'm going to switch it out this year. I've already done Home Alone. I don't need it in my life. I normally watch it every single year. And that's kind of the deal. I think I might try Die Hard. Uh, I think I've seen half of it. I don't even think I've seen... The full movie. Uh, that movie is excellent. Did you give it an eight? I, I could tell you how many, <laughs> what I've gotten, what I gave it. Let me give me give me a sec while I. Uh... Well, while you're doing that, what are some other? I'm trying to think. What are other people's go tos? Because I feel like there's a lot of beef about which movie to do appropriately. I give it a nine. You gave it a nine. I'm excited to see Bruce Willis fuck shit up. I know that's kind of what he does best. Yeah, I like Bruce Willis. I know he's an asshole, but I like him. He would have been a solid Joe Pesci alternative as well. He would have been a solid the dad impression because uh, the dad looks like Bruce Willis. Oh, I didn't even see that. I, I think that's I think that's my go to this year. I think I'm gonna give that a go. I mean that or everybody likes Jim Carrey's um, what is the it? Grinch. How the Grinch Stole Christmas or whatever. I loved that. I saw that in theaters. I think I think it's a it's one of those movies that I think I just saw too many times. But I do like the hate hate hate. Double hate, loathe entirely. <laughs> There's a lot of very, very funny jokes in that movie mm. that you don't 
like when you watch it again, you're like, wow, they they nailed this joke. It's very good. Well, in attempts to be connected to this holiday season through these trying times, I may even try a couple different holiday movies on this year. I don't know. I've never been a holiday person, holiday movie kind of person. What do you normally watch around Christmas time? Just whatever the fuck you want? Yeah, I don't care. I'll watch whatever. <laughs> I do watch like uh, It's a Wonderful Life and things like that. The kid sticking his tongue to the pole? No, that's a Christmas story. Okay, because I feel like I've only seen that once or twice as well. And it's like a sexy leg. It's a lamp. That's a thing. And I've, only, I've only seen that once all the way through. It's just another movie where they just emotionally torture a small child, as far as I understand it. Yeah, which I like. <laughs> it's great. I love the emotional abuse. Yeah, that's how I feel about kids' movies. There needs to be more just beating down the growing belief that you're allowed to be a person. Yeah, treat treat children like people. Like, children, movie characters are supposed to get tortured. I will say, in terms of treating children like people, I do that with my nephew, who's six now, and we have really good conversations when I just talk to him like he's an adult. Because um, he has a lot of opinions, and he has a lot of feelings about stuff. I've been encouraging him to start his own YouTube channel, which he was talking about wanting to do, and I'm psyched oh, yeah. to actually see what that looks like. Yeah, he should have a Minecraft channel. He's going to be doing Legos. He's going to be reviewing and talking about his favorite Legos and the combinations of stuff. Oh, he can make a lot of money doing that. I mean, sure. I mean, I don't know if that's his goal. I, I think he just wants – I think he's like me, and he just wants a lot of attention. Um, <laughs> and he and he just lives off of uh, affirmation for his performance and behavior. So I don't know. Yeah. That's how I feel about Home Alone. <laughs> okay, so that's how... I'm trying to end it right now. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's generally how we feel about the Home Alone franchise. Uh, if you feel differently, feel free to come at us um, on any of our social media platforms. Feel free to yeah. comment on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you want to do. Yeah, hit us up on uh, hit us up on Facebook and tell us how you think we're all wrong and that Home Alone 4 was actually the middlest movie. I do want to – oh, my God, yeah. I do want to take a quick moment. I want to thank all of our guests that came on to our episode. So a big shout-out to Chris Shea, Sarah Carter, Hen Smith. Uh, thank you, Ross Wiseman, as well as also uh, Michael Levine and uh, – oh, Michael Levine? Oh. Slip, slip, slip. Noah Levine and also Michael Savitsky. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on, and honestly – whether you watched a bad movie or a great movie, it was your time, it was your effort, and we appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much, all all of our guests. You're all uh, wonderful. Aside from that, next week, come back. You will be listening to us talk about uh, Tremors. We are starting off the Tremors series for you all with Siobhan O'Hara. Um, yeah, come back if you want to know a little bit about how we feel about Kevin Bacon in some sexy jeans. Uh, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye.